I thought I was lost, but then I realized I was on an adventure finding myself. Before I get into this episode, I wanted to give you an update on Meredith Consulting. I'm going to let you in on something. Coaching right now is a secret weapon. It's a great time to position yourself to move forward and to find the joy in the journey. 2020 does not need to be a total wash. My current offerings include one-on-one coaching to help you work specifically on what you want to work on. Additionally, I've created some programs that might help you out. I have the Life Audit program, which is based off of the Finding Myself podcast, Episode 2. I've also created the SIGIT Goal Setting Method to help you look at goals, identify those goals, and crush those goals. I've also developed the Uncovering Your Passions. This is something that I've talked about on the podcast many times, and I've developed a program to help you identify those passions and really clarify what they are. Recently, I've created a program called Identifying and Overcoming an Obstacle. Too many times we let obstacles stop us dead in our tracks, but when we identify them, we can figure out strategies to overcome them. Please check out my website at meredithsiget.com for more information and also, more importantly, those monthly specials. You can also find more information in the show notes today. Welcome back to the Finding Myself podcast. I'm the host, Meredith Siget, and I gotta tell you, it's gonna be another one of those great episodes. I have a guest today that I've been checking out for a little bit, and I'm really excited to talk to her. There's so much that we have in common, it's kind of crazy, and I also think she has a lot of great information to share. So let me introduce you to Lynn Glodner. How you doing, Lynn? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Meredith. I This is awesome. I got to tell you, I'm kind of like excited for this because I almost feel a little bit of a kinship to you in, in checking you out and looking into things. I'm like, why have our paths not crossed? And now we're here. So that's awesome. I know. So I think there was something that was meant to be in this because I think we were meant to cross paths. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I mean, I've got to, got to put out there, you are a Michigander. Oh yeah. I always, you know, cheering on those Michiganders and uh, so we we have that in common, and that's why, you know, I was like, why didn't our paths cross? Like, this is so cool, um, and some of the things that you have done, but I also have to share some, some other things that we have in common. First, we have, a, we have the Meredith in common. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. So that being your middle name, my first name, which I don't meet a lot of people with the name Meredith, so that's always exciting for me. So the funny thing is that, you know, I was a journalist, a writer um, for a long time, and I'm in my second marriage. So my, I had a maiden name, I had a first married name, now I have a second married name, and it was always Lynn Meredith and the last name. And so when I was getting married for the second time, I thought about dropping the surname and just being Lynn Meredith. Okay. But I didn't quite have the guts, and I wish I would have at this point. But in any case, um, but no, no matter what, because my byline always had my middle name, People never saw Lynn. They just saw Meredith. So they'd be like, hi, Meredith. And I'm like, no, this is Lynn. 
knowing full well what they were doing. So somehow, like, I'm supposed to be Meredith or something. Wow, that's kind of interesting. I know. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, good. Good to know. And then, of course, I've got to represent U of M. Woo, go blue. Go blue. Go blue. I've got to always, you know, put that out there because I am a big fan um, and I love, love my Wolverines. So I had to, to put that out there that we have that connection. For sure. Yes. So Lynn, you started telling a little bit about who you are and what you do. I got, I got to be honest, like to start this out, I, you know, checked you out, looked into everything that you have done and it is impressive. Thank you. I, I actually went, okay, so why did she agree to be on my podcast? <laughs> and I was telling my husband about you too. And oh my gosh, she's, you know, she's published in Forbes. All of like the, again, Meredith Inc. publications, yep. Parents Magazine, all of that. And he said, no offense here, but why is she going to be on your podcast? And I said, <laughs> I know, I thought the same thing. <laughs> Well, you're you're definitely inflating my ego. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> but I I was I was just I was really impressed. You you've done a lot of writing and such a variety of writing too. So why don't you let the cat out of the bag and and tell my listeners about yourself? Yeah. So I've always been a writer since I was a little girl. And um, that was just something I did because it, it called to me. And then it occurred to me in college at Michigan that I um, could do this for a living. And so I you know, did a lot of journalism in college. And then um, right after graduation, moved to New York and I worked for a newspaper there. And then they transferred me to their Capitol Hill Bureau after a year. So I lived in D.C. for a few years. And, um, and then I eventually moved back to the Detroit area in the late 90s and um, worked for a local newspaper and then went freelance in 98. And I did that for a decade. And so I was writing for magazines and newspapers across the country. I had a weekly column in the Detroit News. um, And I was teaching college English. I did a Master of Fine Arts in writing, uh, focusing on poetry. And my uh, master's thesis, which was a poetry manuscript, was published in time for graduation. So my uh, first book came out um, when I graduated from my master's degree. Such an accomplishment. Thank you. Yes. And so since then, I have had eight books published and number nine is coming out in February 2021. Um, And I just, I love to write. It's how I figure out and make sense of the world and how I can best communicate. You know, I'm never good in the moment, but an hour later, I've got the best response, you know? (laughs) Um, So yeah, so I've always been a communicator. And um, in 2007 and 2008, I sort of pivoted and used those communication skills to um, move away from journalism as the economy was changing and journalism was changing and my life was changing. I was becoming a single mom of three young kids when the first marriage ended. And so I really needed a way to make sure that I was supporting my kids with the financial crisis and economic downturn. And I just sort of came up with this idea for my company, which is called Your People. And I thought I'll use my communication skills to work with businesses and Um, It grew into marketing and public relations, and that's what I've been doing for the past 13 years. Um, But in the meantime, there's been a common thread in all of this. And I, when I was a journalist, and I was um, even in the work I do, I've always been fascinated by how people find meaning in the mundane. And it was sort of my little tagline. And um, I was just fascinated by it. And especially as I got toward midlife, I was like, "What's the point of all this? What's the what's the meaning of it all?" And so I. 
a couple of years ago decided to launch a podcast where I was interviewing people about meaning and purpose. It's called the Make Meaning Podcast, and we're almost at 100 episodes. And um, that's an accomplishment dad, too. Thank you, thank you. Yes, <laughs> my very first guest was my father, who was my best business advisor, and um, we were super close. And he had been diagnosed with a terminal illness, and so we didn't know how long he'd be with us. And I wanted to make sure I captured his wisdom and insights for everybody. Um, and he was actually with us longer than we had hoped, which was great. And so he was my guest on the one year anniversary episode last summer. Um, but he sadly left us in January of this year. And so um, that's just sort of been the the legacy of our relationship and all, everything that he um, taught me and, and instilled in me. And it's, it's sort of led to my ninth book, which is um, about making meaning and how you figure out your purpose and your personal meaning and then find work that relates to it. Um, and the Make Meaning podcast has sort of taken on its own energy. So while I still have the PR and marketing business, and that is my bread and butter, um, the Make Meaning podcast now is a movement, and we have courses and workshops and coaching for people, um, all focused on meaning and purpose and how to live a really meaningful life um, you know, with, with direction. And so, um, that's the long and short of it. That's where I get to hear today. Yeah. Which I, I think all of it is great. I did check out some of your podcast. The episode with your dad, of course, is very sweet to, to see the relationship between the two of you. And you have some really interesting guests. It's a variety of guests. I definitely was interested in Zingerman's. Oh, yeah. Having so, that uh, Ann Arbor connection, and that is just a staple in Ann Arbor. Love it, love it, love it. Uh, so it, just some really interesting um, talks, different guests. So it's definitely a podcast to check out when you're wanting to hear that meaning. Thank you. So yeah, so Paul Saginaw, who's one of the founders of Zingerman's, um, is a dear friend and mentor of mine and has been um, since before I started my company. And I was actually, as a journalist, I was writing, I wrote a lot about food and I was writing about the Carytown neighborhood in Ann Arbor. And um, so I met Paul. And uh, after that, I said, you know, I have this great business idea and it was not this business, but I, I met with him. He was generous enough to meet with me for coffee. And I, I went in there thinking, I'm going to have him invest in my business, <laughs> which he didn't do. But um, he said, you know, it's, it's a great idea, but, you know, I don't think I'm going to put any money into it. But why don't you come and join my entrepreneurs club, which is something he used to do for Zingerman staff members. Yeah. And it was anybody who wanted to start their own business. Um, they would offer this for free. It was six sessions. And they would talk about how you build and build out a business idea. And so he invited me to, to participate. And this was in um, 07. And so I um, I did. And it really disabused me of the idea of the original business idea. Like, nope, this isn't going to work, which was great. And Paul and I developed a really great relationship. And we're still very close. Um, and so he was my second guest on the podcast because I wanted to bring out these amazing entrepreneurs and people who, you know, just in so many ways inspire me and so he generously came on you know again unproven podcast who's listening but he, he did it and then um you know we stay close to this day and I've helped him a lot as well and it's really about how he came to his business and how he built a culture that is now being modeled around the world by other businesses they're coming and asking for training from Zingerman's and it's grown from a deli to, um, you know, t more than 10, it's a Zingerman's community of businesses. So they have all these spinoffs and they're, they're all partners and it's just a really cool concept. So yeah, he was my second interview and, um, it's a really good friend. And I, I'm, I'm one of those people who 
I am so curious about people. That's the journalist in me. So I love asking questions and getting underneath things. And I'm, I'm pretty nosy and I sort of persist even when I shouldn't. And it serves me well because I also come with a lot of humility and then say, you know, what can I do for you? Right. You just gave me all this information. I write thank you notes. I send gifts. And um, so I think that endears me to people. They stick around, <laughs> you know, and I just say, please come be on the podcast. Okay, no problem. And, you know, so, yeah. Well, it's interesting that you you say that um, because in learning about you, I really see you as a Renaissance woman that you have tried and done different things and uh, it's changed your career in different ways, but there's still that theme that kind of runs through it using that journalistic approach, um, but also which probably goes along with the journalistic is asking those questions, not always having to be the expert. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure I'm an expert in a lot of things, but I don't see myself that way. I just think I'm curious and, um, and relentless and very scrappy. So, you know, I, um, I've had to figure it out, you know, for, for a long time I worked for myself and I, I bought a house when I was, what was I, 27 and I bought it by myself, um, and I had just been freelance for like a year, and it was terrifying, but <laughs> my parents were like, you know, it's better to own than to rent, and so I just jumped, and it was sort of the same with every step, and you know, I love working for myself. There are pros and cons to everything, but um, the sky is really the limit when you work for yourself. It's all on your shoulders, and you could crash and burn, but you know, you also could really soar, and so, um, you know, my first husband is a very talented musician. He's also Orthodox in Judaism. And so that limits the days he can perform. So when we were getting divorced, um, I knew that I couldn't rely on him. You know, I mean, he had a pretty precarious creative career. And so I had to make sure I could, you know, feed, feed and clothe these three little kids. And so it was the scrappiness. It was like, I'm not going to be on the street. I'm not going to move into my parents' basement. I'm going to make this work. And I did, you know, and so um, it's just a matter of uh, there's no other choice. And I'm just going to hit the ground running and which I, I somehow it, it works. I love that approach because you knew the challenges that were in front of you and that didn't change what you wanted to do or how you saw yourself. You just did some problem solving to make it happen. Yes, but I also think that, that the relationships are a big part of this. So, you know, my dad was really a guiding light for me. And there were many times I'd call him and say, Dad, I need a pep talk. And he'd be, he was very, like, no nonsense. Like, you know, you don't worry about things. You just do. And let's look at the facts and let's just move on. And it was just, you know, he was um, he was great. He was not a person who held grudges or anything like that. So he'd just, you know, move forward. And so that was a great um, guiding light. And then having these mentors, like, Paul Saginaw, Barbara Jones is another one. She's an editor at Henry Holt um, in New York. And she's been a mentor of mine for, I don't even know how long, 15 years, maybe longer. And um, I think a lot longer, actually, maybe 25 years. And she's episode number three on the podcast. But um, she's still a great friend and and just this incredible leader. And so whenever I've had like a, a crisis of faith or a career crisis, I unfortunately contact all these people and say, what do you think? You know, what would you do? Have you ever felt this way? And having those um, amazing resources has been such a gift. I mean, I, I don't feel like I'm doing this alone, even though I am doing it alone. Yeah. You know, I just feel like I have the generosity of really brilliant people who are so kind to help me on my path. 
And on this podcast, we call that the circle of positivity, that you've collected the people, um, the board of advisors, whatever other people call it, that are going to inspire you, that are going to support you, and they're going to challenge you all in good ways. And so that's that's our circle of positivity. All right. Yes, absolutely. So what has led to you being able to do those pivots? You know, we've t- you mentioned your, your circle of positivity or the individuals that have mentored you. What else has allowed you to change direction, be flexible, um, make those decisions without having the fear of the unknown or jumping out of the comfort zone? Well, there's always fear. And so I've learned to, to live with it. And so you know, meditation is a huge tool, and that is something that, that grounds me in the now. Um, I learned years ago that if I do the work in front of me, there will always be work. And so if I'm worrying or anxious about, you know, what if this client leaves, or what if nobody new comes, or what if I'm not in the moment and I'm not working on what's here? And the, I have a to-do list that's like many pages long, and it's not immediate tasks. It's like stuff to do for clients plus long-term. And um it's always full, even as I check things off and I, I add new things. And so there's always work to do. So if I do the work in front of me, there will be enough work. And I just try to stay grounded in the present and I try to focus on what really matters. So, you know, work matters and it's essential, but it, it should not be all consuming. And, you know, I have now four kids who are teenagers and a husband and, you know, my mother and my sister, my brother and other people. And um, life is not just about working around the clock. You know, I want to make sure I'm in nature. I want to make sure that if my kids ask for my attention, I drop everything and I'm totally focused on them. And so um, it's really helpful to just to have that clarity of vision and to know that I'm not my work. It is an element of what I can do but it does not define me. And I think that's super important. I, I agree uh, that we are more, we are, you're denying the whole person when you were only focusing on one area such as work. And I don't think that's healthy for the mind, body, and soul. Right, right, I agree Yeah, completely. So let's go back to this meaning making and how do we bring that into a career to find that purpose? So I find that when I work with people in the Make Meaning movement, it's really getting back to basics and to the root of who they are, which I think a lot of adults forget. And so when we're younger, we do things that we're drawn to, that we have an innate ability for, um, that, that we're curious about. And um, then we stop doing those things when we become aware of other people and their judgments. And so, you know, like I always wrote and I just never thought anything of it. Um, And then at a certain point, you know, it's funny. When I was a freshman in college, I thought you could have three careers. You could have business, law or medicine, which tells you what cast of this society I'm from. But whatever I um you know, I was writing all the time. I was freelancing for newspapers. I was on the Michigan Daily staff. I was, you know, scribbling in notebooks. And here I thought the only careers were business law and medicine. So it was like, it didn't occur to me that what I do naturally and what I'm drawn to is something that I could build a life out of. And then it hit me at a certain point, I started freelancing for the Ann Arbor News. And I'm like, wait, there are people employed here. Like there are (laughs) jobs for writers. And um, this is back in like 1989. And I opened up the phone book and I'm like, looking under publishing and looking under communications and there were all of these businesses and they did all different things. And I was like, Oh, 
you know, I could do what I naturally do and build a career around it. And so I work with people to identify what speaks to them and what calls to them, which means you got to get rid of a lot of clutter that has piled up as you become an adult. And, um, and just, it, it, it obscures your, your natural self and like who you really are and want to be and get back in touch with that in, internal voice and then figure out how you can weave together all of your experiences until now with that, you know, innate calling and, and pivot. And so it's not usually that hard. It's just clearing the clutter to get back to who you are. That's the harder part. And that's really where it all begins. I totally resonate with that, you know, looking at some suggestions on how you get back to who you were Uh, and specifically about careers, asking as a child, what did you want to be? Why did you want to be that? What attracted you to that actually speaks because you didn't know that being a, a cartoonist or an artist was a bad thing. You love to draw, therefore I want to do. But we have, we've gotten societal messages that, oh, being an artist doesn't pay. You're always going to be a starving artist. People are very finicky with their art. You really have to hustle to sell the art. And But if we love to do it, we will find a way. For sure. And there's so many possibilities in the 21st century. So, you know, I have four teenagers and um, my youngest has always loved building Lego architecture sets. They're all over our house with gathering dust, but um, like crazy everywhere. And he likes the putting things together, you know, the the figuring out that he has the incredible patience and he always has. And so he said, I want to be in construction. And I was like, "Do do you want to be in construction? Like, or do you want to like be an architect like what what part of it do you want you know and so for a long time it was it was being on a site actually building things and then as he's gotten older he's like you know I don't know if I really want to do that and he's gotten a little more into computer generated things and so now he's thinking about so for the longest time it was I'm going to go to school and be an engineer because that's an acceptable career right and I said you know you don't have to do that you can figure it out like what's at the root of the lego thing and if that's something that interests you, figure out a career. You know, do you want to be a Lego designer? I don't know. Like, just figure it out. And so he came to me and he said, I think something in 3D printing. And I'm like, building models? or like, And he's like, that could be it. And I'm like, that's great. That's fabulous. And I don't know what shape it will take. I mean, he's only a freshman in high school. But um, but exploring that and having the, the permission and the freedom yes. to see what is possible is huge, you know. So, so my parents, I love them, but they they were always like, "Be a lawyer. You love to argue with us." And I was like, "I want to be a writer," you know. And so I'm like, <laughs> "Okay, I want to go and get my MFA in poetry, which probably won't get me any job." And they're like, "We'll pay for law school." I'm like, twenty five thousand dollars, a hundred thousand dollars, and I'm like, "Just pay for the MFA. Like, you saved seventy five thousand dollars." And you know, they were just like, they gave me a little bit of a hard time, but eventually they they came on board and they did pay for it, which was very nice. But, um, but it was so funny because I know they were looking out for my best interests and they wanted to make sure I was secure and I was, I had enough and I was, I was fine. Uh, But I think I've done pretty well with that MFA and it really was who I am. And I'm pretty proud of it. I mean, the fact that my, like I set a goal of my first book being published by the time I was 30, I was 25 and it was like, okay, what's the new goal now? You know? So obviously I was in my right place. 
And I think that you just have to see possibility. And frankly, we need writers everywhere. Right. So there's so many things I could do. And if I didn't want to work for myself anymore, other people would need me to communicate for them. So you just have to believe in your abilities and who you are. And then other people will too. Right. And I also think, you know, because I'm from the generation too where you needed to be in the sciences, the maths, or, you know, something high up. Uh, because of the financial aspect to it and the security. But what we realize when we become an adult is I don't need to be rich. I just need to be able to pay my bills and be comfortable. So the job that I really want may provide me with all that. Am I going to be running around in the BMWs and being at the country clubs? Maybe not, but that's okay. Well, a lot of that, that's a great, great topic because – it's all about choices. And so you can revolve your life around, you know, your monetary desires, which I think makes you miserable, or you figure out what your real calling is. And then you may not need that stuff. You know, like I have no interest in a country club. I had a BMW once and it was awesome. It drove really well. It was so (laughs) expensive. I can't even tell you. So I have a a Ford edge that, you know, I will drive into the ground and it's paid off and it's like, whatever, it's fine. Right. But, um, you know, I just feel like, um, it's about choices. And so even like with this pandemic, you know, my husband and I um, were big on budgeting and not having any debt. And so when the pandemic started, we just looked at our budget and said, what can we cut? It's pretty easy because the kids had like no sports or anything else going on. I couldn't right. go to the pool anymore. It was fine. But we cut everything out. And then we started looking at it and, and saying, well, did we need all of that? You know, like, did we need to go to restaurants? I mean, we still order food, but you know what? It's been fine. We've actually been cooking a lot and we love together as a family and so many things that we had in the budget that we were working so hard to provide for, we realized we don't actually need. And we're so much happier. And frankly, we've saved a ton of money. And it's like, you know, it's about um, being in your element or aspiring and, and sort of comforting yourself with the material things. And I don't need that comfort because I'm really content with my life the way it is. Right. So, you know, it's about realistic expectations and living where you are. Yeah. Living within your means. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah well, sure. I know we could continue talking forever. So I definitely am going to get you back on the podcast. And I would love to have you back to talk about this new book that's coming up. Excellent. So, yes. We'll be in touch when we have it a release date and we'll, we'll get you first on the list. All right. Perfect. So will you let my listeners know where they can find you? Yes. So I'm everywhere on social media. You can find me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, My websites are yourppl.com and makemeaning.org. And just tell me you heard me on Meredith's podcast. I'd love to connect. All right. And make sure that you check her her podcast out as the Making Meeting Podcast. Yep. Make Meeting Podcast. It's on any place that you find your podcast. So please give us a listen. Great. Well, thank you, Lynn, for stopping by today. I am so glad that our paths have crossed because uh, it's you just do some really interesting things and have an interesting perspective. So great to listen to. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. All right. And I'm going to sign off for today. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to Finding Myself. If you like what you heard, please leave a review. If you have a question or a suggestion, feel free to email me at findingmyselfpodcast at gmail.com. I also invite you to be part of our Finding Myself community on Facebook. 
There you will have access to more resources, more suggestions, more information, and the opportunity to be part of discussions. Please meet us back here next time.